G'day, my name's Adam Spencer and welcome to Billion Dollar Napkin, where we discover how some of Australia's brightest startups proved that their crazy, innovative and impactful ideas were possible. We take them through their triumphs, failures and pivots and learn everything from their early beginnings to how they got it made. I think our first month of revenue uh, was $80. That was the uh, result of 13 or 12 months work as well literally sitting there at the dinner table on date night doing customer support chats with your girlfriend like absolutely death staring you. In this, the first episode of Billion Dollar Napkin, we'll chat to Alex and Angus from Brisbane-based crypto platform SwiftX. Find out what it's like to go from an $80 income to signing a $1.5 billion deal. How important is culture in an organisation like SwiftX? And is Brisbane really the new Silicon Valley? All that and more in Billion Dollar Napkin. Alex, Angus, thanks for joining me on Billion Dollar Napkin. Thank you very much, Adam. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having us, mate. Who's got napkin drawing duties out of the two of you? That'd, uh, that'd be yours truly over here. Why Look is that, Alex? Are you you're the more artistic one of the two? I am. I think we're both actually probably the least artistic people on the planet. We do work in tech, uh, but we did go to Steiner schools and we did lots of creativity there. So this is where we'll make our teachers very proud. Let's put that creativity to the test. Show me the Swift X billion dollar napkin all right so i guess like with traditional banking uh you need to when you when you need to pay someone you have to use a bank as the intermediary the 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 big appeal about crypto and and specifically you know bitcoin is you can actually transact without that intermediary so the network itself secures the transactions which means two people can transact and that's going to be particularly important for uh, developing nations that they don't have these sort of centralized banking systems so where does swiftx come into people trading crypto yeah well right now here in australia if you want to buy bitcoin and and invest in the currency uh, you sign up to swiftx you deposit your traditional australian dollars into the account and then you can pick from any of the 300 different coins that we have on there you can invest in them and then we'll put them into the wallet for you that's built into the platform or you can then take them and put them in your own wallet you are the device that's helping millions of people around the world get on the crypto thing that's exactly right swiftx was not your first journey into crypto was it angus you 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 toyed with something else that's correct yeah so so i got into crypto about 2014 and at the time there was a couple of projects flying around and i was quite technical and um ended up getting a contract working freelance for this uh cryptocurrency called OpalCoin and essentially they were looking to build out a marketplace that was really tightly integrated into their coin itself so you could uh, jump on that it was like the Gumtree equivalent jump on that and you could trade um, it, could, it could be books or um, you could download music that a, that a freelance producer had, had developed that kind of stuff and yeah. Alex well before Angus was earning his business chops tell us about Juice on the loose. Juice on the loose. How do I know you're going to bring that up? I've done my homework. <laughs> Juice on the loose. Tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think uh, look, my, my grandparents were into business a lot and um, yeah, they had minor 10 stores back in the day. And so I guess it runs in the family a little bit in terms of being entrepreneurial. Uh, my grandparents, my other grandparents uh, build and sell Jabiru aircraft, uh, so light, light support aircraft up in Bundy. And I was about 10 and sort of went and set up a fruit juice stand on the local markets. And uh, I think I used to make 
make $80 of profit for, uh, you know, 12, 12 hours grinding away on the juicer. And uh, that was without paying for dad and his and his time. But uh, yeah, that was, that was sort of where I got started. And then um, I think the novelty for my father wore off of the 4am mornings, kind of got a bit, got a bit sick of that. So when I got a bit older, pretty much stole his tractor and then and started mowing lawns for the neighbours and whatnot. He did charge me maintenance fees for that. So uh, yeah, couldn't uh, couldn't get that one past him, unfortunately. From there, started uh, on the on the push bike, going around to the na- in the neighbourhood, uh, dropping leaflets off. And uh, oh, I'll tell you what, dad wanted to charge me to use his printer for, for, for my leaflets. So you've, un- you've, ass- you've understood the full on cost of operating a yeah. business right from the start, yeah? Tell you what, I absolutely hated them for it, but it was a very valuable lesson. Um, sort of, yeah, it taught us that nothing in life is free and that, um, you know, it's all about the hustle. So I used to go and um, print my flyers at school because it was free there. So, uh, yeah, very, very important lessons. I love this. So you, you have this natural entrepreneurial bent. You've got the tech side, but you're also quite techy yourself in some ways because am I right that you met at a, a sort of summer computing school at the University of Sydney, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So, so um, it was a um, course uh, essentially brought together 100 or 150 year 11 students together and um, put us together for two weeks and there was all sorts of challenges, building a website, getting um, rumours to do rescue operations and all this kind of jazz. And uh, we happened to be roommates. And so there we were, two kind of, I guess, nerds. <laughs> and um, yeah, looking at each other and going, well, hello. So, so randomly selected to room together out of 150 people at a summer school. Yeah, we've never actually clarified it because we did go to the, we do go to the same school, um, but in different states. So, but they they don't they weren't really connected. They might have said, "Let's put the Steiner school kids <laughs> yeah, together." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They could be friends or something. I don't know. I don't know. But it was yeah. by chance. I think to say uh, Angus is the or that we're both both techie is probably. Um, very complimentary to me and, and maybe an insult to Angus, but, um, you know, Angus is the super, the super brains when it comes to the tech. And, um, I'm pretty sure that I, uh, I submitted a, a, like a WordPress website as my coding project to get into the, into the thing. So I don't know, I don't know how that, how I got in, but it did. Even within that summer school, you, you're rooming together doing all these projects. Did the idea for SwiftX bubble up as early as that, or at least was the, or was there just a general, Hey, we should work together on something vibe at that stage. I think I think at that stage it was just purely friendship. Like had a lot of aligned interests, as Alex mentioned. We were, went to the same category of school, all into the tech. It was very, uh, I guess, yeah, just aligned. And um, but it wasn't until yeah, six years later that we kind of started to understand the problem in the in the, in the crypto markets. And we're like, being tech guys, problems means find a solution for it. This computer school is year eleven, going into year twelve. But in terms of going into year 12, did both of you go into year 12? That's another loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) I defer. (laughs) So yeah, I I did grade 12 um, and I did a couple of years of uni. Um, I was doing mechatronics and robotics. Um, It was a bit of an, uh, I guess, an interest, but wasn't something that really grasped me and held me there. So um, I deferred for one year and deferred a second year and... Apparently, that becomes then permanent after that. So, I uh, didn't actually finish uni on that side. But am I right, Alex, that after the after the year 11 s- summer computing camp, yeah. you didn't go back to year 12? I, look, I started year 12 for a, yeah, a couple of weeks uh, and then and sort of just decided, you know, I had my, my IT business running on the side. I was teaching myself to code. I was sort of 
just getting out there, getting it done. I had a few people, a few of my mates working for me and I sort of thought, look, I'm, I'm never going to go to uni. Um, I'm never going to work for anyone else. I think I might have had a part-time job at Woolies still at, at the time as a scanner man uh, on, on Sundays. And uh, so, But yeah, so from there, I basically um, I started a TAFE course on, for business. So I, I finished up um, early year 12, did, did a TAFE course. Read all the content, but did none of the um, what's it called the exam, the, yeah, the exams and the assessments. Seems so. to be. I'm spotting a theme here. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I reapplied because there was a returning year for the for the camp yeah. um, down in Sydney, and I think you still technically were supposed to be at school, but they didn't ask, and so I managed to sneak in. So we actually sponsor it now. So we're yeah. sponsors of the oh, that's beautiful. program. Yeah. You, you um, sponsor the computer science camp where you guys met. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And, and actually, yeah. Yeah. And in parallel, we've um, spun up our own boot camp. Our own. So so we bring in um, pre grads and and people looking to move into the industry shortly and give them a taste of a two week taster of life at SwiftX. They get to go through challenges, work with um, uh, our engineering staff, and on. Yeah, all, all these kind of exciting things. And, you know. So where did the idea for SwiftX come from? I can, I can imagine a couple of guys of your age, with your interests, looking at crypto, you've already had a look at that going, there's something here. This is interesting. Not everyone's on board, but we're on board with this. But to choose to build an exchange, am I, am I right in saying that's a pretty brave play in the space? You, you could have gone for something smaller that was still genuinely crypto. Where did the idea for actually, no, let's... Let's build the platform that facilitates everyone else. Early 2017, I hit up Angus. We saw I saw the price of Bitcoin going up, and I thought, look, this you know this all this all makes sense. Obviously, I've got a bit of a tech background, and uh, so I spoke to Angus and started actually buying cryptocurrency uh, with with the support of him. He sort of showed me showed me the ropes, which was really awesome. Uh, and then I was sort of complaining to him. I'm like, why is the the price of Bitcoin every time I Google it online like way less than the price that I'm paying for it in Australia? And that's sort of when um, big brain Angus over here goes, well, let's just buy it overseas and sell it in Australia at a cheaper price. And I was like, that doesn't check out. Like, that's free money. And one thing I've, I've been taught my whole life is there's no such thing as free money. The guy who used to pay for the printer toner at home thought, yeah. hey, I'm onto something. This could not be, it's too good to be true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but it turns out it is actually a thing. It's called arbitrage and it's where there's a difference in price between two different markets. It happens in all different markets. It's not unique to crypto, uh, but particularly... Like it was very prevalent in crypto because it was a very young market back in, in sort of 2017. And so that was sort of actually where we made our, our seed capital for um, bootstrapping SwiftX. For people listening who don't know, bootstrapping is basically when you choose to fund something yourself or from a small group of people you know, as opposed to asking investors, do you want to take a part of the action and fund us, yeah? Yeah. You want to talk about the decision process of, of what to do with the money? Yeah, yeah. So, so we'd been going out for uh, three or four or five months or something like that. And um, uh, we were kind of looking at it we're like, geez, this is almost a deposit for a house, you know? Yeah, I, I wonder if, okay. And then we were like, well, hang on, we, we've actually identified a problem here. And uh, we were like, okay, house, sure, yeah. Can we start a business and uh, can we solve the problem that we were facing and, and I guess be a bit more altruistic in terms of offering that benefit back to well, Australians, but also the, the wider market. And so we we're like, let's do it. Let's quit our jobs. and Let's get a bit techie here. What was the nature of the problem? What was the nature of the solve that was needed to allow thousands and now millions of people to trade in these cryptocurrencies? So the fundamental problem 
is that uh, cryptocurrencies aren't centralized, which is, it, that's why people love them, but it's also a, a negative for them. So when you've got isolated markets, the pricing in one market will be different to another market and you need to kind of equalize those. Um, and typically that was people more in the know and not your average investor and you know you, those kind of people. So uh, the vast majority of people weren't aware of that. And so uh, we then, along the lines of trying to solve the solution or find, find a solution to the problem, we're like, okay, can we bring these markets together? Um, bring it under a single kind of interface, i.e. like SwiftX is now, um, uh, a brokerage where you can go and access global liquidity from the comfort of an Australian company or you know local support and that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's what we've achieved so far. That is one of the biggest problems for new people getting into crypto is that it is really technical and, and can be quite confusing. So we, we are Australia's top rated exchange. We have over 600,000 customers uh, on our platform now. And you know we are very heavily stacked in customer support. And so we care a lot about uh, our customers, supporting them, educating them, and, uh, and building a platform for them that's simple and easy. Brisbane is the home of SwiftX, is that slightly unusual in the startup scene, the tech scene in Australia? And what's the advantage of being in Brizzy? Uh, haven't you heard? Brizzy's the new Silicon Valley. There you go. Tell me more. <laughs> uh, no, look, look, Brizzy, Brizzy's been great. I think, uh, aside from the fact that in you know COVID was handled really well in Queensland, although I guess that's debatable depending on which premier you ask. Um, you know, we we had a, a lot of uh, a lot of people wanting to move up to to Brizzy and Queensland, so that was really great from a, a talent perspective. And certainly, I think not necessarily sitting in the the shadow of like Atlassian and Canva, who are obviously very prevalent in um, in Sydney and Melbourne. Is, is really helpful for, for new startups to, um, you know, be able to attract that talent and compete. It's it's a really hard space. So in in Brisbane, we found um, that that's, yeah, really enabled us to, I guess, shine with the likes of GoOne um, and uh, Octopus Deploy, two other, like, really successful uh, tech companies up there. Angus, I see you're wearing the, the Queensland Maroon State of Origin <laughs> T-shirt there. Or colour, at least. <laughs> what does is, what is being a Brisbane-based startup mean to you? I think it's about... Um, sharing that understanding that you don't have to go to Silicon Valley or Sydney or, you know, there's several million people in, in Brisbane and there's some amazing uh, smart people there. So being able to have a place where they can put their thinking to work and designing solutions around it and building out a, a you know, a, a company from it. We managed to convince our CTO to move back from the UK to the Goldie, so it's also handy. Yeah. <laughs> Billion Dollar Napkin is brought to you by Amazon Web Services. For over 15 years, AWS has helped more startups launch, build and succeed than any other cloud provider. If today's episode inspired you, with AWS Activate, you can access free tools and resources to help you get started. Get up to $100,000 in AWS credits and start building with easy-to-use templates that allow you to launch your business idea in minutes. For more information, visit aws.amazon.com slash activate aws prove what's possible when did you realize we've actually got something here what was the first form this took that was a working version of something that you could call swift i've been asked that a few times and my my go-to response is when we were able to transition from nutrigrain into our three three beds <laughs> and, and five fruits you know like that's how you know you've got product market fit can you remember but is there a first trade you facilitate is there a first sale of bitcoin from someone or something real that means wow we've actually we're, we're going now day one opening the doors it was uh, early 2019 um but it definitely was not oh we've we've 
we've hit the mark here. It's great. It was very much like a, oh, that, that was it. Uh-oh. <laughs> like, you know, all the processes worked. We'd code it all up. The, the, the person could log in. They could get their account verified. They could go and make that trade. Um, but it was like, oh, that, that was a year of our life and we've invested our life savings into it. Yeah. Well, just re- <laughs> rewinding to what you said before, it was buy a house or quit our jobs and take our entire savings and invest it into building a business. Yeah. So um, a business that was going to take us three months to build that ended up taking 12. Uh, and when we launched it, it was at the bottom of bottom of uh, the bear market, I guess. Bitcoin was very low. 12 months in the crypto world is forever. The currency during that time did take a major downturn. And you also started to see a degree of regulation or serious financial institutions starting to say we might do a bit here was it was did the banks hate you guys or pay no attention to you at that stage and what was that speed to get to market like i think they they didn't pay like the bank specifically didn't pay too much attention to us but we weren't uh, their most preferred customer i guess you know they're, <laughs> they're, there's unfortunately those those negative connotations associated with it and so that intensity of trying to have the product ready to go you wanted it in three months and ended up taking 12 must have been really demanding on the both of you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Angus is Angus. Obviously, we have established is is the tech guy. So um, you know, he spent a lot of that time just grinding, absolutely grinding away on the on the on the keyboard. I spent a lot of the time working on those partnerships with the banks. You know, literally getting on the phone, calling every European. There's so many more countries in Europe than I thought possible. <laughs> uh, you know, Europe is a much more. Um, now, if you'd finished year twelve, yeah. you might have known how many countries <laughs> there were. Yeah, yeah, my language studies. Whoops, uh, but yeah, look, certainly you know, on the on the phone to you know all these different banks, and they don't speak English, and you know trying to trying to establish partnerships and looking at what other global exchanges have done. So that's three years ago. You're in your early twenties then. I'm 28 now, so, right, four, so four years ago. Yeah, so, so 24. Is there a bit of pushback from anyone watching this? Going with respect, you're a couple of kids. Well, when you're on your phone, they got no idea how old you are, so you're all good. <laughs> no, I, look, honestly, I think in the modern day and age, people almost expect tech founders to be young and and you know young entrepreneurial, ambitious people. So it's almost it's almost like the stereotype, I guess, that you have young founders building companies these days, and the industry is incredibly supportive of that, not just in crypto but across tech, and 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 that's evidence as well. You know, for us trying to trying to provide that same, you know. We feel we feel old, I guess now. Um, there's new founders coming out of Brisbane that that are 17 and 18. So, so if a 53 year old bald chubby guy like me goes in and says, "I've got an idea for a crypto platform," oh mate, don't be hard on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you get to market, that that's not long before the pandemic, and we hear anecdotally that that's when crypto just takes off. There's a lot of people in Australia and around the world forced to be at home. Some of whom have streams of money coming in that they didn't have before. We hear that a lot of people started speculating the price went up. Was the pandemic like when the rocket ship really took off for you guys? Uh, I think it was definitely a component of it. Like, um, I mean, I mean, b- before it even taken off, we were kind of sitting there. We all had laptops, fortunately. And we're like, how are we gonna how are we gonna go through this period? Are we gonna be able to keep development up and um, keep pushing forward? Make sure that we've got the customer service there at the forefront. And um, fortunately, it ended up being just as simple as everyone heading home we sent each person like a um a multi-monitor setup 
like a dock that they could plug in and um, away we were going and it was kind of yeah the same thing we had to set up um, was it Tuesdays and Fridays I think that we had an hour for um, getting together and having like a social aspect I think we're playing games or board games or something like that online um, keep, keep that real culture going and I, th- I think that's been a fundamental kind of driver for our success as uh, as a SwiftX the company it's I've read some things about the SwiftX culture and it is like literally ball pit in the office that does <laughs> sort of I was told I wasn't allowed that you fought you fought mate check the floor plan that's actually a storage room <laughs> and the and the, the nightclub bathroom holding but there, there, there's that fun to work because you're working really hard is yeah. is a part of the culture you're trying to encourage? Yeah, ex- exactly. It's it's a bit corny, but work hard, play hard is really what we see. Like you've got to celebrate those wins, support each other going along the way throughout the challenges, and and when you get to that next stage and you've passed the hurdle, it's it's celebrations all around and um, everyone band together. Alex, at the awards night that you um that you won an award, where I learned about Juice on the Loose, you said quote about the period of time. There's been lots of growth in leadership for Angus and I. How have you had to grow from these two mates who met at a computer school to had a good idea that sort of worked to now running an organisation that trades not in the thousands or millions, but sometimes in the tens of millions, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars space? Yeah, well, look, I think to your, to, you know, tying off on your growth question earlier, we went through the, I'm going to say, four stages of, of, a, of a startup scale up you know very quickly uh, in in four years I think you know so like a lot of businesses and a lot of leaders I think have time like years to sort of go through each of those stages and grow their teams and grow themselves and uh, and learn but I mean we we just sort of did that on on fast forward so you know we went from an idea in 2000 January 2018 to launching January 2019 to having um I know a couple thousand customers in uh, January 2020, and then by 2021 we had 50,000 customers, and then by the end of 20, um, by the beginning of 2022, we're at nearly or just over 600,000. So, like we've gone through the ideation, market fit, startup, scale up, um, just all super super rapidly. So certainly from a, a leadership perspective i think the the hardest thing uh, also coming from a bootstrapped business is that you go from literally sitting there at the dinner table on date night doing customer support chats with your girlfriend like absolutely death staring you uh to needing to build the thing that builds the thing that builds the thing that services the customers so you like you have to really have this huge mindset um you know we've we've reorganized our org structure i think literally every six months to um you know allow for autonomy and and we've been really focused on a bottom-up approach on leadership like it certainly works in a small organization you need it um you know someone who's really i guess steering the ship and making sure everyone's doing the right stuff but then as you get bigger that is your job. Your job is to build the infrastructure and the people and, and empower the people and hire people that are better, smarter and more capable than you. Our, like We're the youngest people in our entire leadership team. Like we've, we're, we're surrounded by old farts like you uh, <laughs> that, that have done it before um, and you know have come from Commonwealth Bank or um, Deutsche Bank, XE. So like we've got some really experienced people in our senior leadership team that we spend time with every single day to grow and learn from and, and that's been how we do it, I think. Sometimes they say don't go into business with family or really good friends because of the strain it will place. Has it been a benefit for you guys to be such close friends or has there been times where the friendship has 
genuinely been strained. I think uh, I think we'd be ha- have to be kidding ourselves if we said there weren't a, like a rocky road along the way. Um, but I, I think the the key thing for us is just being persistent, like understanding we're we're in it for a common goal. We we understand the problem. We're we're trying to strive to deliver this product to service the customers to to make their experience just wow um and throughout all of that you kind of see through oh they're actually speaking the same they're actually trying to go for that common goal but speaking a different language to get there or you know it i think more times than i can count that we'll, we'll have a a discussion and it's like oh, oh it's so frustrating neither one's aligned on it and then you kind of reflect on afterwards like i think he was saying the same thing as i was alex give me an example on the journey where you've really been challenged as a leader and perhaps thought i don't, I don't know if i want to keep i don't going. think there's ever been a moment where I felt like I don't want to keep going. Um, like I absolutely live and breathe and, and have since I was 10, um, the challenges. And, and what I love the most about what I do is waking up every day and being like, come at me. <laughs> what do you got? What am I going to learn today? What problems am I going to solve today? And, and that actually is what like drives me so hard. Um, and I think, you know, my mum is always saying, you know, like I don't have no idea how you sleep at night. And, and I'm, I'm like, honestly, when I get stressed, I just go and have a, have a nap. Like it just makes me feel refreshed. You got a new focused focused um, view on the world, and and you go for it. So, yeah, certainly I think that's the sort of attitude you have to have as a startup founder. You just have to, you know, I've had unsuccessful businesses before, um, and I've learnt from those. And you just got to get up and and go again. And and you know we've been incredibly successful. Tell me a bit more about the dynamic of how you two interact as leaders but one of you is a bit more on the tech side one of you is a bit more on the business entrepreneur side how do the two of you work together i think the the one word is complementary so Mm -hmm. uh as you mentioned alex very strong entrepreneurial background myself very strong technical background and um for us it was always about picking the problems that we were the ones to solve and so you know making sure that if it was uh i know building out the who's going to be hired into a certain role 100% 100% Alex's kind of foray, back off, let him let him make the right decision in, in that front. And uh, and you can flip that in, in reverse for the technical stuff. You know, how are we going to, you know, have the sign-up flow work? Great, there it is. It's The page is done for it. So, yeah. What's the single skill of Angus as you look at most and go, gee, I wish, I wish I could do that? Um, <clears throat> his supercomputer brain, <laughs> just all of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, Angus and I have a a fortnightly one-on-one for an hour. uh, And that's about as often as we see each other these days. Like we just have such different responsibilities across the organization now with with Angus such focused on tech and myself focused on, uh, I guess, uh, operational parts of the business. On the technical side, what's what's the toughest it's got, Angus? Particularly, it kind of goes uh, coincides with the journey as well. Being bootstrapped, we were always needing to get that next revenue to be able to pay you know our staff to, to make sure that we we're paying bills all that kind of stuff um and so as part of that you don't have time you, your, your time is is what your customers dictate to you or the market dictates you to you and that kind of stuff so um from from a technical technical aspect being able to scale it without ever having that time to prepare for it has been the biggest challenge going from literally zero building out a product that can actually generate revenue and then making sure that it can continue to support your customer base um, through you know all of their training things because you can't let them down. You know, it's, it's you're dealing with people's uh, finances, their investments. You know, that's that's something you just can't screw up. On the topic of scale, does working with someone like AWS prove a benefit? Because one of their real strengths is that speed to scale, scaling in minutes, not days. Knowing that technology is there behind you when you're brave enough to take the next leap, does that help? 
Uh, 100%. So, so coming into SwiftX, I hadn't um, worked with anything other than like FTP uploads or something like that, which is kind of, you, know, you don't really hear about that anymore. Um, and so having to try and design the, the infrastructure that we were going to base our um, platform on um, was, it was really awesome to be able to use these prepackaged tools that you can just grab out of the box um, from AWS and just spin them up. For us, it culminated into two different sectors. So first off was the AWS credit side of things. Uh, and so that was um, that allowed us to be able to pay for our infrastructure bills for, I think it covered us for 12 months or so of our entire cost there. So we were able to focus on other aspects or you know other costs within the business, like paying wages or um, you know software licenses that without having to worry about the infrastructure bill. And the other side of that was access to business support. So being able to have a, um, a technical account manager on call, literally, uh, to be able to ring up and go, uh, I've screwed something up or you know, something's not working as I was expecting it to, or we've got a challenge and we don't actually yet know how to solve this. And I, I did a startup to scale up program uh, in Brizzy and AWS were, were a big part of that. And I'd say the thing that on, on the, the less technical side for me was just the amazing networks and introductions that I've had throughout that program and the programs um, that AWS has supported has been certainly instrumental. Um, the, even now, our co-CEO now is someone uh, that I met through those programs. So it's, um, it's had a really positive impact from that perspective. You were made an offer to sell a significant part of the organization for, and I'll repeat the amount here, $150,000. When did that come in the storyline? And how close did either of you go to saying, I really think we should do this? <laughs> yeah, there's a story that came with that transaction as well, or the transaction that, that didn't go through. Uh, we that was, that was shortly after we launched. So obviously, you know, we'd, we'd invested pretty much everything that we had into into building the business to the point that my my grandmother, who is the opposite of someone who gambles, bought me a lottery ticket, and uh, and said best of luck. So uh, she still to this day thinks that I won it and didn't tell her. But uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Nan, just work work my ass off. Um, so yeah, like we we needed funding. Like we we were very confident in our product. Um, you know, we looked at what other competitors had done during that sort of period that we were building and we were still, you know, we were like, yeah, 100%, we just need to get this out in front of people. We don't have any money left to do that. So, you know, we, we need to find an investor to help support us, get it, get it out there. And we found, we found some people and, and had a chat to them and um, ultimately we, we decided not, not to go through with that and we just focused on revenue. I think our first month of revenue uh, was $80. Um, Eighty dollars. Eighty dollars. Now, as yeah. the mathematician in this group, that is less than one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yes. 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 And that was that was the uh, result of thirteen or twelve months' work as well. Eighty dollars in the first month. It was yeah. like we used to wake up in the morning. So we we lived together. We used to wake up in the morning, and the um the transactions for the day would land every every morning about eight a.m. or something. And we'd we'd run up to the study, and we'd load the computer up, and we'd refresh the screen, and nothing <laughs> so, so look it was definitely it was definitely a slow start but what we did is we focused on revenue um as a again as a bootstrap business and um it, it's just really important so you know we we sort of went okay well let's let's uh, do 100 percent growth every month yeah. so let's let's we double the whiteboard out yep we did, it the, up. we did the whiteboard and uh so you know 80 160 320 yeah. etc and we thought okay by this at this rate we'll hit august and we'll be making enough money that we can both so i went and took a part-time job and he stayed at 
I think it stayed at home to, to write the code. But um, yeah, we thought, okay, by August, which is six, six, seven months in, I'll be able to come back full time. We can take minimum wage and like keep working on this. And um, yeah, I think we beat our modeling by uh, a couple of weeks. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty sophisticated stuff. Let's have a look at the elephant in the room. There's There's been a, a massive correction in the crypto market over the last couple of months. You deal in 300 plus crypto assets. It's safe to assume that somewhere between some and a significant number of those will end up completely worthless. There are some really smart people who say, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, you've heard it all before, that this just won't last. What's it like working in a space where every day you must hear those sort of criticisms? Does it wear you down? Do you listen to those criticisms to learn from them? You've always got to be receptive and understand, you know, where people are coming from because there, there are definitely, you know, many people like, I, th- I think it's a, if you ever think you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. For, for me, I think personally, the, it, it kind of aligns to the dot-com boom or, you know, the internet or, you know, those kind of things. People are a bit hesitant at the time. They're like, oh, bah, I th- you were mentioning earlier, you know, post is fine. Why will I need email? Um, and yet look, look at us today, email is even um, kind of getting dated, I guess. And you've got instant messaging and that kind of stuff is, is now the new, new post. Um, and for me, crypto is one of those things. Blockchain technology has got a lot of, I think, um, problems that it can solve in the future. I, I think we're still discovering just the tip of the iceberg of, of what that can be. And, and I, that aligns to most emerging tech is, is you have this thing, it seems good. You don't know what you're going to do with it yet. Uh, and then the community comes on board and, and, oh, I've got that problem. That fits built perfectly. And, and that's where you start driving that value. It's been a wild ride up to this point for SwiftX. 12 months from now, where do you see the organization, Angus? Recently, we just announced a merger with Superhero. So what that means for um, both businesses is bring crypto into the, uh, I guess, a digital asset into the traditional assets market. So that's um, equities trading in, in Australia and uh, in the US, as well as super. So um, essentially giving people more, um, a diverse ecosystem of investment options, um, crypto or equities, and, and going forward into the future, whether that's um, loan facilities or banking or, um, you know, any number of things. The the sky is not even the limit. <laughs> and particularly in crypto, we're always going to the moon. Um, but I, I guess where we're heading is is past that point and, and trying to provide this all-in-one uh, platform, easy to use, has that awesome customer experience and that customer support. We kind of pride ourselves as being customer obsessed. That's kind of our, our go-to. Um, and so whatever it means for the customer to get value, that's where we're heading. Yeah, look, we, we want to empower people to build their own financial success and freedom for whatever that means for them. I mean, when, when we reflect on why did we start this business, you know, it, it was to not, not only just solve problems um, in the industry that we'd experience ourselves, but to to create a, an opportunity to, to build a business and to, um, you know, I guess, grow, grow our own success so like how can we pay that forward and enable uh, other people to do that and that's where the um, you know the fully inclusive financial ecosystem really plays a part in that so yeah we're just looking forward to I guess a future where you can trade your Bitcoin straight into Tesla and, and vice versa. Alex Harper, Angus Goldman thank you so much for telling me about SwiftX on Billion Dollar Napkin. Thanks for having us. Billion Dollar Napkin is brought to you by Amazon Web Services and hosted by me, Adam Spencer. Produced by the good people at Podshape, we were filmed on location at the Hollywood Hotel in Sydney.